What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Real Steel Podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS. Just the real steel. And just the real steel. That's right, Polk. You beat me to it. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, and that was our co-host and stat master, Polk. And the Steelers were on by this past week, so that means uh, no Sunday scaries, no yelling at the TV, no heartbreaks. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling refreshed. I'm ready for the second half of the season. And that one week off has really got me chomping at the bit, ready to watch some more Pittsburgh Steelers football. Yeah, it was nice to have a Sunday where we could just sit back and relax and not have to be stressed out about our team doing bad or or just playing in general. So I really enjoyed that, and I'm ready to – yeah, like we had our own bye week as fans. Now, hopefully, like the team, we'll be ready to go the rest of the way. That's right. So obviously, we don't have a game to recap. What Polt and I talked about and what we thought we would do is have a little bit of fun and kind of do a, a mid-season recap here, uh, look back at some of what we've seen on the first part of the season, the first half, and then do a little bit of a preview on, on the back half of the season that we'll see over our next nine games. So let's kick things off just by taking a look at where the Steelers are right now. And and where we're sitting is not pretty, obviously, if, if no. we're looking at a, you know, a playoff caliber season. It's not that that case this year. Uh, a two and six record. We have lost to the entire AFC East. That's the Patriots, the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins. We also have losses to the Browns within our division and the Eagles. Um, I think it's I struggle with, you know, the fact that we have lost to so many AFC teams in particular. Um, yeah. But, you know, to me, that really matters when you're kind of talking playoffs. And I guess that really isn't the case this year. So um, that said, we do have two wins over Cincinnati, our first well, game of the season, and then a win over uh, Tom Brady and, and Tampa Bay. So we're currently sitting last in our division. We're 15th out of 16 in the AFC. Um, and currently we would be drafting fourth overall in the 2023 draft. So that means we're at the bottom of the league. We're ahead of only Detroit. Carolina and Houston. Yeah, it's not very good. But if you look at who we played and what we had to go through the first eight games, they have a combined record of 43 and 24. That's like a 62.3% win percentage. That's pretty darn good. And you talked about all those AFC teams. It's the number one seed, the number five seed, the number six seed, the number eight seed, and the 11th seed the Browns being the, the one at the bottom there. But we've played all these really, really good teams, and maybe that leads us to have some optimism the rest of the way. And you think about when you went into weeks five through eight, seeing we had to go to Buffalo, Tampa Bay, at Miami, and at Philly. I, I know me, like a lot of uh, Steelers fans, thought that we could go 0-4, and, and we ended up going 1-3. and So, I mean, that's a silver lining right there. We, we have not played an easy schedule, so – and we're throwing in a rookie quarterback as well into the mix all in the middle of all that. So it hasn't been an easy beginning of the year, but some of it kind of makes sense. These teams are better than us. Yeah. It's a good point with the, uh, the weeks five through eight that you mentioned there to come out of that one and three. And quite frankly, I mean, I think we had every chance to win the Miami game. Um, we yeah. had a couple chances at the end there. And had we not thrown an interception at, at the goal line, um, things could have been different and maybe come out two and two there. So, well, that's the other thing, too. I, we mentioned all how good these records have been against these teams we've played. We haven't had our best player since week one, and that's mm-hmm. T.J. Watt. He hasn't played, and like you said, there was countless games we could have won. We could have beat Miami. We could have beat the Jets. We could have beat Cleveland, and we could have beat New England. I mean, that's four games there that 
maybe TJ Watt makes a difference or makes a big enough play to, to change the outcome of that game. So, I mean, missing your best player really hurts. So, I, I don't know. I think he would have been in a big impact. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I'm trying to pull up stats here just on, on sacks by team, and it looks like if this is correct here, I think we have 15, if this is right, and, and we're in, like, the bottom, you know, bottom 10 teams here in the NFL. Yeah. And, and I think that changes a lot when you have TJ Watt come back, obviously. So that's a really big point. I mean, that said, we're really struggling with a, a minus 77 point differential as a stat that I found. So basically what that means is we have 77 more points scored against us than we're actually scoring ourselves. So if you average that across our eight games that we played, that comes to about 9.6. So on average, we know we had some close losses, um, but on average, we're losing games by about 9.6 points. And that's the worst in the NFL. So that also yeah. is really just not good. We know we have a struggling offense. We talk about this every episode. We talk about Matt Canada. It was the 32nd worst or the 32nd best, I should say, the worst offense in the NFL um, through week eight. Thanks to being on the bye week and thanks to the Colts having an abysmal performance (laughs) against the Patriots. We are now the 31st best offense in in the NFL, so still in in the bottom tier. And and I look at the power rankings every week that come out from NFL and from ESPN. And, you know, you can buy into those as much as you want. They flip-flop a lot. But we talk about this together, Paul, you and I. And, you know, we've seen us move from 18 to 25 to 29 to 22 and whatever. And I think we're 30 right now. So we know know we're struggling. We know there's a, a lot of... Um, things that we can build on. And we'll touch on some of those as we get into the the second half of the season and start to talk about those. But I do want to bring up a a few statistics on some of our, I guess you could say key players here. And I'm going to ask you a question about each of them, kind of similar to what we did last week. Sure. But let's start with Kenny Pickett here, because Kenny Pickett is really kind of the story of what has happened this year, right? We made the transition to Kenny from Mitch Trubisky and we really just need to see some growth out of Kenny. And, and, you know, some of it has been there, but we have seen some poor performances from him as well. So, yeah, Kenny's sitting right now at 962 yards on the season. Again, he didn't play in some of those first few games, but 962 yards, he has two touchdowns, eight interceptions. So my question to you is, do you think that we will see a 3,000 passing yard season from Kenny Pickett this year? I'm going to go with no, and and I'm going to go with no, not because I think Kenny's going to play bad. I just – I feel like now for the rest of the year, they, they may try to actually help Kenny out a little bit and not put as much on his plate. And, and if you look at his stats, he the only time he's eclipsed – so I guess in order to get the 3,000, he has to have 227 yards per game. Mm-hmm. He's only eclipsed that twice so far, and that was against Miami where he had 257 and Buffalo where he had 327. But in both of those games, he threw the ball over 40 times. And Miami threw the ball 44 times and Buffalo 52 times. That is a lot to ask on a rookie quarterback. And I feel like we're going to try to get after the run. I'm not saying we we do well with that, but I think they're going to try to help him out a little bit. And I I think we're going to be closer in games as well, so maybe we don't have to throw the ball as much. Yeah, those are some good points. I, I think this will be a really just interesting thing to monitor is probably the best way I can put it. I think Yeah. 3,000 yards from Kenny not playing in, what was it, the first three games that he didn't play? Three and a half? Yeah. 
and he missed a game. I mean, if, if we see 3,000 passing yards out of him from 13, 14 games, I think that's really successful. Um, I think so, too. So so we'll have to see. I mean, 230, what'd you say, 227 a game? About 227 a game, yeah. It's, it's not like that's impossible. I mean, that's really not uh, – you know, some of these guys throw for 250 yards a game easy. And, and the, the way that the trend is right now, I know you said that we might move more towards, a, a, you know, playing the run game. But the way that our games have trended over the past few games is Kenny throwing 40 to 50 times a game. Right. If that continues, I would, you know, play devil's advocate here. And I think I would say, yes, I, I think he can do that. And I think that we could get Kenny to a 3000 passing yard season. If, if this trend continues, if we're playing the, the run game a little bit more heavily and we're getting some more help, um, maybe not. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, as I kind of said earlier, I'm maybe playing a little bit optimistic here and uh, I'm hoping that we don't have to throw the ball 50 times a game to win. So yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. It, it will be really interesting. While we're on the topic of Kenny here, I, I think it's worth bringing up Malik Willis here um, yeah. and this discussion. We mentioned Malik Willis's first career start on our last episode, and he just started uh, against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. And I have his stat line here for you. Yep. He was 5 of 16 for 80 yards. By the way, those five completions, none of them went to a wide receiver. It was to tight, like tight ends and a running back only. Correct. Uh, he was sacked three times. I think he rushed for 40 yards or so. I mean, he was, he was scrambling. Like you watch Kyler Murray on the Cardinals play. And I've seen these jokes that it's like Kyler Murray, when he scrambles, it's like when you give a kid candy and <laughs> trying to run away from their parents. Yeah. Malik Willis just looked like panicked. Like he, like it, it was Kyler Murray unintentionally. And yeah. it was just a mess. I mean, he looks like he's nowhere ready to play. And I think the last game that he played in, he was like five of 10. And he was six of 10 for 55 yards. Yeah. In reception. Yeah. And so I think the reason I bring this up is it, it does make me feel a little bit better that I think we made the right decision, at least in drafting the correct quarterback from this class. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring this up because since they were on the national stage, everybody got to see this. And and listen, Malik Willis finally had a week's worth of practice to get ready for this Kansas City game. And not saying it's easy to play Kansas City, but I think it also shows, not that we might have chose the right person, but it also shows what we talked about last week. Can we really evaluate Kenny for what they're asking him to do? If you watch that game with the Tennessee Titans, I mean, they had 29 runs last night and only threw the ball 16 times. And they only did that because they got down late and had to try to come back and win. Yep. But, but that's not how they wanted the game to go. They wanted to run the ball. And, I mean, you could even see when they got the ball, I think they had a turnover. There was a fumble or something where they got the ball on, like, the 40, their 40. They tried to run the ball three times because they just didn't want to put all the pressure on Malik. And, and we're asking Kenny to do so much. He's supposed mm -hmm. to put the team on his back, has no running game, bad, bad offensive schemes, and all this stuff. And, and you can see what Malik Willis is doing and, and – they're not asking him to do nearly what we're asking Kenny. So I think that also just goes into the fact that we're putting a lot of pressure on Kenny and, and we need to remember that when we try to evaluate him. Yeah. Agreed. Important to remember here, Kenny Pickett, four of his first five opponents ranked top 10 in scoring defense. All of his remaining opponents, all of the Steelers remaining opponents are outside the top 10. So there again, you go. 
speaking to that growth, we, we will see what happens. We'll see, you know, how things progress, but these are some, some things to think about when we're kind of evaluating Kenny and what we're looking from him moving forward. And well, and that plays this. into our question at the beginning of the, of the season, should Kenny play until the bye? And we were, we were debating if he would play because of how hard those teams were that we were playing. And so that's a great point by you that, we, that we've played such good defenses and he's, and he's kind of handled his own. I mean, he, he's done okay. He hasn't done great, but he hasn't done horribly. So hopefully the sky's the limit from here. Yeah. Okay. So that's Kenny. Let's talk Najee and, and the run game for a little bit. Najee right now is our leading rusher for the team. He has 361 yards. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. I know we had a lot of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris banter a little bit last week in terms of, you know, who's better, who fits, you know, who fits more appropriately in our offense right now. So if, if you guys are listeners, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to the last episode. But my question to you, Paul, here is, will Najee get to a 1,000-yard rushing season this year? I don't think he will. Um, and my reasoning for saying that is I'm kind of just looking at the basic numbers. He has, a, he has 361 yards now. In order to get to 1,000, he would need 71 per game. And over his career, he's only averaged 62.44 yards per game. That includes last year and this year. And so I feel like he's running worse this year or the line's worse or something. Our running game's just worse this year that I don't think he's going to be able to do much better than what his average is. And he did have 1,200 yards last year. Yeah. But I just don't think he'll eclipse that this year, especially with Jalen Warren, like you mentioned. Well, and he needs – he would need a few hundred-yard rushing games, and he hasn't had any yet this year. No. So that that will be tough. I think I agree with you here. I, I don't see Najee getting to a thousand yards. I think it would be a struggle. I mean, if he had a, a you know total balls to the wall game where where he's putting a hundred and fifty yards up in in two games, yeah, uh, maybe he gets there. We'll, we'll see. But I think with Najee and the improvement that I am looking to see from him, like like we talked about. I haven't fully written Najee off. I am, no. you know, against the people who say that that was a waste of a draft pick. I still support him. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Of course, right. you would you would want to draft an offensive lineman, and we said that, you know, during uh, that draft at the yeah. time. But I think what what I want to see from Najee is just more downhill running, right? No, no more east to west and all the the jump cuts and stutter steps and and all those little jukes. You know, he needs to be like. Jerome Bettis, not Willie Parker, right? He needs to Agreed. play how he played at Alabama, play how, how he played for us to draft him and, and really just be a go-getter and, and just hit the holes right down the middle. And hopefully our offensive line, you know, we talked about our first couple of games of the year, our offensive line held up. Okay. Yeah. And, and maybe there's more improvement that happens there, but the Najee hesitancy I think is not playing in, his favor so right and we know Nas. he's a student of the game we know he cares we know he watches tape and all that good stuff and if you think about it all training camp he was hindered by the list frank injury and then he was playing the first how five weeks or whatever with that steel plate in his shoe this is the first time he's gotten a chance to reflect on how the beginning of his season's gone and i think this bye week might have been really good for him he might have watched a lot of tape and been like wow i really was hesitating to hit a hole i just need to hit it and maybe he maybe he gets healthier and healthier as he got a week off or two weeks off here. And, and I, yeah, I think he could really improve. I just don't know if he'll get to the the century mark, the thousand yard mark. Yeah, we'll see. And the the Jalen Warren piece, I mean, I don't think that hurts the equation at all. I mean, sure, 
if we're talking to get to a thousand yards mathematically, yeah, less carries and reps is going to bring him yeah. down. But thinking, like that aside, just thinking of, of the Steelers in general, there's no, no really reason that we have to be a single running back system. Right. I mean, no. Jalen Warren has, has proved his worth. He's, he's been a really solid back and, you know, we know that Najee's injury prone. If Jalen Warren can take off some of that load, that's great. I, I would be happy to see a, a two running back system here. And the dual threat backs could help make the running game better because you have to fear both both yeah. guys. And maybe that helps with, like we were talking about with Kenny, we just run the ball better yeah. overall. I yeah. would love to see it as well. And by God, Matt Canada, let's get a couple plays where we get both of them in there. You know, a, a double running back set and, and line them both up and see how that messes with the defense. I mean, that would be cool. Uh, All right. I, I know he had a wide receiver pass last game, but you, you're asking for way too much creativity. Here. All right. Well, but that's besides the point. We'll see what happens there. You mentioned wide receiver. Let's transition over there. So, our leading receiver at this point in the season is Deontay Johnson. He has 43 catches for 372 yards. Just below him is Pat Fryermuth. 32 receptions, but 367 yards, so only five less. Pickens has 26 receptions for 338 yards. So he's about, quick math, 34. 34 yards, I think, behind Deontay Johnson. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, they're all really close. Who has the most receiving yards for the Steelers at the end of this year? I'm going to go with George Pickens, and it's not because I'm being a fanboy. If you just look at the stats, he has almost half of the amount of targets that Deontay Johnson has. Deontay Johnson has 76 to George Pickens, 43. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the difference in catches, 43 to 26. And he's only 34 yards off. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just explosive. He's never covered. I think as him and Kenny continue, because again, we talked about Mitch Trubisky started the year with all the reps with all these guys. Kenny's just starting halfway through the year. He just started getting reps with the first teamers. I think as he gets that rapport up with, with Pickens and he starts to see the field a little bit better. I think Pickens is going to become the go-to guy and increase his target share, which will help with the yards. So I, th I think Pickens will do it. All right. Well, I, I don't disagree. I, I think that's a really good point with the number of targets and the number of catches. And he's right there. And yeah. I would love to see it. I, I think that, that Kenny has shown that Pickens is his favorite receiver. Yeah, so we'll we'll see that moving forward. I do think they all will be close though, because I think Pat Fryermuth, as we continue to use the middle of the field a little bit more, like we've done pretty really well passes down the middle. Yeah, yeah, I think Fryermuth is also going to be a pretty big role. We know Deontay's going to get his catches and his yards, so right. we'll we'll see. I think it should be a fun race. Yeah, and, and hopefully we see you know Claypool's gone. Hopefully we see some of the guys like Miles Boykin and Steven Sims move up. I think it's pretty clear, at least from what we have seen in the press this week that Steven Sims is going to become our slot leading slot receiver. Yeah. So I would expect him to, to see a lot more time. Um, Miles Boykin, I mean, he, he's a veteran in the NFL. He had a good enough preseason that we kept him, and he's been a, a pretty heavily involved special teams player. But one of the conversations that Holt and I had at the beginning of the season was, we have so many receivers, and this was before the Calvin Austin and um, the Anthony Miller, you know, both got hurt. Right. So, so we're having this conversation of, Who's going to make the team? And I don't think Miles Boykin was on either of our lists. We, we said he's getting cut no. practice squad. Yeah, and I think he was a second-round pick. So you know he has talent. And yeah. the Ravens drafted him. Not that they have great receivers, but, I mean, he has talent. So we'll see what he can bring. Yeah, we'll see what he can bring. Okay, so I like where that is, you know, like we said, to kind of wrap things up there. Two and six, if this plays out the way it does, 
we have the fourth overall pick in in the draft next year if we continued on this trend. Uh, we also would have the 35th pick in the second round, the 39th pick, the way that the Bears are playing right now, and then the 69th pick in the third round. So that's a pretty good slate of early round picks. Um, we're not going to go into a full kind of uh, mock draft or anything like that. I just want to bring up one one quick listener question here, and this comes from actually a, a resident Eagles fan of ours, <laughs> a, a great listener. Um, Max asked the question, what is the number one team need that should be addressed in next year's draft? I believe it's, it's somewhere in the trenches. Uh, so offensive or defensive line. Um, if you look at some mocks, we've been being mocked Jalen Carter at four, number four overall, the defensive tackle from Georgia. And that guy's just a beast. He kind of, he's not as good as um, Jordan Davis coming out. I don't believe, but kind of similar guy. He's just all over the place, blows up the line. But then the obvious is offensive line. We just need some help on that side of the ball to help with Kenny in the running game. So I'd say somewhere with one of the linemen, offensive or defensive. Yeah, I don't like messing with with the mock drafts this early just because we don't know where we're going to land. And yeah, they change. haven't really fully evaluated other teams' needs. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned Jalen Carter. I, I saw a mock that, that gave us Will Anderson, the defensive end from Alabama. I mean, imagine him next to TJ Watt. That's assuming that we would be four and – who was it? The Lions and the Panthers and uh, Houston would all draft quarterbacks. Right. Um, so, you know, I think if you're really high up, it's going to be the kind of the best playmaker on the board. Um, if we fall to seven to 15, seven to 10, if we're in that range, I think you should probably go with a, a someone over 300 pounds. You, you need to draft a, a big yeah alignment i think here is is the move but that's a good question max uh, and here's one little more tidbit to throw in just thinking about this if we do flounder and we're going to talk about the rest of the season here in a second but if we do flounder and get a top three pick i'd look for omar connor to maybe trade out of that spot and get right. more picks because there are qb needy teams and there are people who are claiming we know the two main quarterbacks but people are throwing will levis in there as well and you might be able to get a bunch of picks, a stockpile of picks by trading back. So look for them to do that. Maybe move in, in the to a spot where they could get an offensive tackle or or yeah. a, a defense alignment or something like that. So we'll see. Solid point. We, we've seen what what the Eagles did, what the Dolphins did with being able to flip picks. So yep. to do something like that, and and yeah, we talked a little bit about Omar Khan last week. He's a wizard, and to be able to do that and. You know, I don't think it's totally out of the question that the pick that we got for Claypool, we, we trade that away, you know, in, in a package. Who who knows? There's a lot of yeah. possibilities here, but we'll, we'll see what happens. That'll be a little bit of an end, end of the season conversation for us to have. But right. with that said, let's kind of uh, move over into a little bit of a, um, a preview for the second half of the season. And really the intention here is just to kind of do a little bit of an overview on some of our upcoming games, maybe see where we think our, our record is going to end up and, and just a few things that we want to watch for um, in the second half of the season. So the questions to answer here, at least in the press or, or that everyone is probably floating to Mike Tomlin is, is will he get his winning record? Um, right. Will he get to an even record? And, and to do that, we need to win a lot of games, which will be tough. Um, more importantly, I think my question here is, Will you hit the bet that you placed at the beginning of the season? I think you threw a hundred bucks on it. Will the Steelers get more than seven wins? And I think at the beginning of the season, we were like, heck yeah, that'll happen. But we need five, at least for you to push, right? We need six to win it. Yeah. And 
I don't want to be like this, but I would be more than happy with five just to push. I don't need to win. But, yeah, at the beginning of the season, I thought it was a lock. Mike Tomlin never had a losing record. Uh, all yada, yada, I felt good about this team. You know, like as a homer does, and now looking back on it, that was that's a tough bet. But this is where we're moving into the beginning, next, the rest of the year. I think we have a chance to do something. That's right. I'm not, I'm not saying making playoffs, but I think we have a chance to make a run. I, I agree with you. Let's walk through some of these games. So we have, I'm just going to read the schedule here. We have yep. the Saints at home. Then we have the Bengals at home. That's a Sunday night game. And then we go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. That's a Monday night game. So we have two back-to-back primetime games. Then we're at the Falcons. Shout out to my sister. She's going to that game. She wanted nice. me to say that. Um, then we play the Ravens at home. Then we go to Charlotte, North Carolina to play the Panthers. And then we have the Raiders at home. That's the Christmas Eve um, I believe it's a Saturday night game where we're going to honor yes. uh, the Immaculate Reception. So that'll be really cool. Um, and then New Year's Day, we go to Baltimore to play the Ravens. And then our last game of the season is against the Browns at home. So I see these teams, and I, I think you have the stat here on on their record or their win percentage. It's, it's yeah. definitely not what it was the first half of the season. Yeah, we said the first half we faced Arguably the hardest strength of schedule. Some websites will tell you it was the hardest, and they were 43 and 24. The rest of the schedule for the rest of the year, the teams are 32, 43, and one. That's a 42.1% win percentage. They are much worse than the teams we already played this year. This is the easier part of the schedule. And if you look at some of these games, I mean, I think New Orleans, and we, we don't know what they're going to do tonight against Baltimore, but we know they, we could beat them potentially. I think Cincinnati is going to be tough. We'll probably lose, but that'll be it's a divisional game. We'll see what happens. But I think we can beat the the Colts. I think we can we'll split with the the Ravens. I think we can beat the the Panthers and the Raiders. And then hopefully we can beat the Browns at week 18. The only team I skipped in there was Atlanta. I think Atlanta will be a tough game. But I, there's some winnable games. I, I think we can beat some of these teams, and none of them have that great of defenses or that great of offenses. I think we could kind of hang around and we get our best player back. Like I keep saying, we get TJ Watt back. Who's going to be a difference maker. So I don't know. Maybe I'll win my bet. Yeah. Maybe I, I won't. I, hey, I hope, I hope you do. It'd be a good bet to win. I think, you know, the intention here kind of just looking at the schedule on my screen is not necessarily to say, this is a win. This is a loss. This is a win. This is a loss. Cause we all know the way the Steelers play football is you're going to, win both of the games against the Ravens and you're going to lose to the freaking Colts and right. the Browns and whatever, like that type of stuff just happens. Um, but realistically, right. If, if we look at this in terms of, okay, we have four divisional games. We have the Ravens twice, once home and one away. I think you said it. I think it's pretty realistic to think that we split games with the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, we've tend to dominate that series. So yeah. And before the episode earlier this week, I was going back and I was looking at the Steelers Ravens history and I'm going to have my numbers wrong here because I don't have it up, but I think it was, it's going back to like 2017. So that's like 10 times that we played them. They have all been like one score games. And yeah. a lot of them have been one point games. Like these are very low scoring games. We beat the crap out of each other. And quite frankly, I think we can at least steal one from the Ravens. I think that's agreed pretty reasonable to, to expect or, or to hope for um, the Bengals and the Browns. I think realistically we probably lose to the Bengals. They're, they're going to have our number um, and maybe we beat the Browns the last game of the year. So four divisional games left. If we can go two and two, that would be great. Yeah. 
And then we have those three games against the NFC South, the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, all kind of struggling teams. I think the leader of their division is under 500. I think it might be the Falcons right now. Um, I I think we can win two of those three games. I would hope that happens, Um, you know, with kind of the the preparation from the bye week and, and just getting TJ back, like you said. So if we pencil in, maybe we win two of those three. Then we look at, what's that leave us? I think it leaves us the Raiders and the Colts who are just atrocious right now. I mean, the Colts just hired Jeff Saturday who off of their, ESPN, their center um, back in like 2005 played with Peyton Manning. He was their center. He has zero coaching experience except for coaching a high school football team in Georgia. So this guy, as far as I know, is the first head coach to be hired without any college or NFL coaching experience. That is correct. Maybe he's a morale booster. Maybe he's a good players coach, but who knows? Well, and you mentioned they have a worse offense than us this yeah, year. right. And they're starting Sam Ellinger, who is a late-round draft pick that they're just trying to get a read on. They're, they're a team in, in disarray as well. And then we know the Raiders. The Raiders, they have a lot of offensive weapons, but that's sad. that's Christmas Eve in Pittsburgh. They're, they're honoring Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception the boys are going to be ready to play that day. And I think we can beat Vegas. Yeah. So that's at least five to six games that we at least have a chance in. Yeah. So let's, let's say out of those two Colts Raiders, maybe we win one, we lose one. So that gives us, that gives us five wins. So that would get you to push in your bet. Seven wins. I'm here for um, that. And then that makes us what? Seven and, and 10. Yeah. Which I think would you know, not be a bad thing. We got a listener question here that came in from Connor. I'm bringing this up now because I think it ties in really well. Um, we can talk record, but we can also talk players. Connor's question was, what marks a successful second half of the season? I think if you win five of those games, to me, that's successful. But I also think it's dependent on some of the players as well. I think this is going to transition us into kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about, which are, are three things to watch for. Um for the rest of the year. But the first yeah. one is, is Kenny's growth. We know that, you know, we want to see Kenny grow from his last game that he had, where he was not doing well with decision-making and dropping back instead of stepping up a lot of things that, that we can see with Kenny's growth. Um, I'll let you chime in in just a second, but I think a second half of the season successful Mark would be if he can reach that 3000 passing yard Mark, which I think is feasible. I know you said, and I know you're not saying it's not feasible, but I know you said yeah. no, I think yes, and I think, Connor, to answer your question, if Kenny does that and, and we get five out of these nine wins, I think that's pretty successful given the, the situation we're in right now. Yeah, and I think I'm going to admit that I'm to the point where maybe wins and losses don't matter as much to me the rest of this year. I'm still going to be angry when, angry when we lose, but it's got to be about the players and the development. We have a lot of young guys on this team, and Kenny's number one. Even if we're losing games – I don't care if he reaches the 3,000 mark. I just don't want the losses to be pinned on him. If he does everything he can do, kind of like you say against Buffalo or stuff like that where other factors were why we lost, I think that would be huge for us and that would give us a lot of confidence going into next year. So the growth of Kenny is absolutely huge. I, that That's number one to make it a successful year. I think two is what does TJ Watt do to this defense? I keep bringing him up. I, and I keep saying he's our best player, mm-hmm. but seriously, he is. And and how much different is this defense? I think a lot of these defensive players, this is their audition. Are they going to be here next year or not? And I know you can't rely on one guy, but 
is Alex Highsmith worth another contract? Are some of these other guys worth contracts? And TJ does play a role in that because he does draw so much attention. So will our defense get better? I believe so. But how much better? And, and so I just hope for a big improvement on the defensive side of the ball, closer to what we were maybe two years ago. Yeah, highest paid defense in the NFL. Right. You've got to hope that that shows up. It clearly has shown the importance of TJ Watt. Um, so we'll look forward. I've been seeing that he's practicing in full pads and he's ready to go. So this is going to be totally awesome to see. So that's our second point. Our third point or our third thing that we want to watch for most in the, in the back half of the season is just the offense in general. We have heard that some of the guys in the locker room are talking and they're saying, and even Matt Canada, take it for what it is, but yeah. they're all saying that the offense is close. They're like the pieces are there. They're almost together, but it's just, it's just not quite meshing the way that they want it to be. The question here is how close are we really? Like, is it a matter of you need a couple more things to click and then boom, we're putting up 30 points a game and, and we are like a competing offense or is it like, it's close. Like we still need nine more games to work through it and, you know, an off season and whatever. That's the right. question that I have is how close are we really? And, and it's going to be really fun to see this team with this talent. If, if we're close, if, if we're there, when we get there. Yeah. I mean, we've said what we've said about Matt Canada, but it's apparent he has a nine game audition right now. And what we do in these nine games could decide if he has a job in the NFL next year or not, at least with the Steelers. And and I think that would be really interesting. I'm really interested to see what he does and how he faces adversity like this. And and I'm, I mean, I think we can make improvements. And I think it's really important, too, for guys on the offensive line as well. If some of these guys not, don't improve or don't get better, guys like, um, I, I don't know, all the all of them, Dotson, Chooks, Dan Moore, mm-hmm. if they all don't improve, they all could be looking for a new job as well. So I, I think just a, an improvement or lack of improvement is going to be key to the offense so we know what we have to do moving forward. Yeah. I think that you bring up some some really good points there. And, and given that you talked about Canada, we didn't have a, a game this week, obviously. So Polt and I did not prepare – a balls of steel player or a jack off of the week. But just to go on a tangent here for one minute, if I had to give a jag off of the week, it would be to the Steelers front office because what happened today, full disclosure, this is, this is Monday. We're recording a little bit early here, but uh, the Indianapolis Colts fired their head coach today. And yep. this guy has a, a history of being a pretty darn good offensive mind. Yeah, And my jag off of the week would go to the Steelers front office for not getting on the phone and calling him about a vacancy in, you know, our offensive coordinating staff. I think that would be a great move. And, and maybe it happens at the end of the season. Who knows? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more later on on this year when we have some maybe prospects for offensive coordinators. But um, that that's just something I wanted to bring up. I, I think it's worth mentioning. And I know he has ties to um, – to Andy Weedle um, in terms yeah. of uh, being in, in Philly and winning a Super Bowl with them. Yeah, he worked under Doug Peterson in Philly and won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. I like it. That's a good jag off this week. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump into a, a little bit of a, a game preview here. So we are playing the Saints at home uh, this Sunday. And, again, since this is Monday, we, we aren't actually sure what the Saints record will be 
um, given that they're playing the Ravens tonight. Um, but I have a, a stat of the week that I want to read for you guys before Polk gives some statistics here. I know I read some of these as we kind of got ready to play the Eagles and, and you know, we gave the O for whatever TJ Watt stats. But this is my stat, and it's that the Steelers are 0-3 against the Saints under Mike Tomlin. And the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, are the only team that Mike Tomlin has actually never beat. The last time the Steelers beat the Saints in Pittsburgh was 2006. That was the year before we hired Mike Tomlin. Oddly enough, coincidental, it was week 10, and the Steelers were 2-6 and six at that time. So weird stuff, but I think the important thing to remember here is that we are 0-3 against the Saints and Mike Tomlin's never beat them. So pretty interesting kind of stuff to think about. We've had some back-breaking losses against them. I think back to the Juju fumble oh, yeah. uh, back when AB was here and, and stuff like that. So ooh, hopefully it's a better game than that. But kind of just looking at what the Saints have done so far this year, and again, this is not including their Week 9 game, but the Saints offense, here's their ranks. They rank third in total yards per game, seventh in pass, ninth in run, which is interesting, and then eighth in scoring. So they have a pretty good offense. Um, right now it's led by Andy Dalton. Taysom Hill gets some good reps. We'll see if Jameis ends up playing. Um, you know with Alvin Kamara, they're always going to be dangerous. But they have a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. They, their receiving core is depleted, and and their running backs are kind of depleted too with Mark Ingram out. So we'll see what they do against the Ravens. That's a pretty good offense, but – I mean, here we go. It's a test for the defense. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, now, again, by the time our listeners listen to this, they'll have already known the outcome of this Monday night game. Yeah. Would you like – I guess this is a stupid question because we always want the Ravens to lose, but would you like to see the Saints beat the Ravens and then come in and play us, or would you like to see them kind of get pounded and then come into Pittsburgh and play us? I mean, I'd love either way for it to be a hard-fought game, which between the Saints and the Ravens, it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, you always want to see the Ravens lose and the Saints coming in on a high so that we can we can knock them down. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just want us to come out ready to play. Yeah, me too. I, I hope it'll happen. Well, as you mentioned, TJ Watt is coming back. That's going right. to be the big story here. You are also getting, I believe, DeMonte Casey back. Okay, he, that would he's, help. He's a safety, and in the preseason, we actually ran a lot of three safety sets. And they were able to use him with Edmonds and Minka and kind of do these different packages. Whereas with him being out, we've had to have guys like Robert Spillane fill that role and it really hasn't worked out super well. So having him back, I'm just going to read you this, that he broke his forearm in the preseason and he had a plate and like nine screws put in. So that was like 10 weeks ago. He's back. Again, we didn't prepare a balls of steel player, but he's my balls of steel winner for this week just given the that he went through that to put a freaking plate and nine screws in his arm 10 weeks ago and he's ready to play i hope we see him on sunday and it would be great to have him back as well yeah getting spillane or and even bush off the field a little bit and having a safety do some of that covering of backs and tight ends would be huge for our defense speaking of defense just to hit on the saints defensive stats they're they're 11th in total defense 15th in pass defense 11th in run defense and 27th in scoring so they give up a lot of points um, but they're pretty stingy in yards per game and stuff like that. So, again, it'll be another good test for the offense, but they have some injuries over there too in the secondary with Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, all the couple of corners being out. So we'll see how it goes. I think it will be a really good matchup against the Saints, and I think we'll have some boots on the ground there. 
which yeah, will be good to see. We'll have some boots on the ground. So the Saints, I would say, probably a little bit better of a team than their record lends themselves to. Yeah. But, um, yeah, boots on the ground. I'm, I'm planning to be there at the game. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll snag some tickets here soon and really looking forward to it. So uh, I think that about does it. Anything else you wanted to mention? No, I think that's good. I think just going into the rest of the year, we should all have a little bit of optimism. And whatever happens, happens. Let's just see some growth from this team. Good way to put it. We'll look out for that growth. Well, thanks again to everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, keep listening, keep sharing us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate uh, on our Instagram, we're getting some messages here for some of the questions. Um, so please keep the listener questions coming in, whether they're serious or joking. We, we do get a couple of chuckles at, at some of the joking ones. Yes, I think we could beat Georgia. Will the Steelers get cheerleaders? I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, you know, maybe we'll address some of these. Maybe we won't. But all in all, thank you again to our listeners. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks everyone. Peace.